All right. So this is a <clears throat> what we're going to cover through the uh, through New Year's uh, New Year's Day here. We're starting with Jonah today, the Book of Jonah. It's the overview and call of Jonah, uh, and I'll cover verses one through three. I'll probably touch up on verse three again next week. And then next week is we're going to look at the great storm. Um, and then, uh, we'll have, um, Bob cover the, the sea and the fish, uh, uh, part of the book of Jonah. And then, um, Jonah's prayer and deliverance. We take a week off for Thanksgiving and, uh, then the salvation of Nineveh. Looks like Miles will cover that here in early December. And the rebuke of Jonah by God is, and Miles will cover that. And then I'll wrap that up with <clears throat> looking at how this, uh, Jonah compares, uh, to, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, as a kind of prophetic picture of Jesus Christ here. And then we, uh, then it's Christmas and New Year's. So we'll, uh, We'll be stopping there. And then, Roger, what are we covering? Uh, we're going to do Philippians. Uh, uh, Philippians. Hey, I'll be working on that and getting out the um, information on that soon. Sure. So Philippians comes up next. Uh, but this is kind of a cool little <clears throat> yeah. book. Um, a little uh, a break. I don't think we've done an Old Testament yeah. book in a while. So this is Jonah and his over. Uh, the overview of Jonah and his call. Um, I want you to pay attention to that picture. (laughs) (laughs) Children's, that's what we're very familiar with, with Jonah, uh, like a children's book, and it makes it very kid-friendly. And it it would be kind of cool if I could teach the class with that felt, uh, those felt boards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Those little cutouts that I used to, we used to have at church and study this book. But I wanted to put that up because uh, several commentators mentioned that that's problem number one with the book of Jonah. <laughs> and um, it's, it, uh, I think Kelly said it's the butt of ridicule. Um, it makes it easily ridiculed. The nature of the miracle of the swallowing of Jonah by the, the fish. <clears throat> and that's why the world or the cosmos comes to uh, dismiss it. You know, they dismiss it as a veggie tales story. Um, and they, they dismiss it based on that really, but it's very, it's, a, it's a very important, uh, book in the, the Old Testament and to dismiss it because of that miracle, the swallowing of Jonah by the, the fish and the survival through it is short-sighted. Um, that's one miracle of many in the book of Jonah. Um, the others are the, the sudden storm that just cropped up very suddenly when Jonah was on the boat, uh, going to Tarshish. Um, then the subtle, sudden removal of the storm. Uh, you could even add that the casting of lots and the lot fell on Jonah. That's a miracle as well. And then the raising up of this, this sheltering plant when he was outside of Nineveh waiting for it to be destroyed. 
Um, and then the worm that comes up and destroys the plant, that's a, a, a miracle. And then this scorching east wind, that's another miracle. So it's, it's a book fraught with miracles and to dismiss one would kind of dismiss the whole book. Uh, so we can't do that. Um, and throughout the Bible, many miracles occur, right? Um, not only in the book of Jonah, but all over the, all in the New Testament. And so the purpose of miracles in the Bible is to declare the glory of God and, um, the whole the whole volume of scripture depends on these miraculous events so we can't dismiss them uh, even though this one is is a, is a, is a big one right as a fishtail it's a, it's a, quite a miracle this uh, swallowing up of Jonah by the fish um the, and the main reason we can't dismiss this this book is because uh, the authority of Jesus, its authority, Jesus Christ himself relied on, right? Um, he, he placed, um, he said that the, this Jonah's testimony is a great sign to be heeded in, uh, Matthew 12, 38 through 41. And I have it here. Uh, he says, um, then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want a sign from you. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up to this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented and will condemn uh, this generation. He's talking to the current generation uh, to whom he's talking to because um, the Ninevites repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Here's a, a few interesting things. A, a couple of commentators noted that James and Jonah, and we just uh, studied James, um, are very similar. James is a uniquely Jewish book in the New Testament, written to Jews, written to the twelve tribes who who are believers. And then Jonah is a prophetic book to Gentiles. Its audience is Gentiles in Israel's Old Testament. Um, both books are peculiar in their setting in, uh, in scripture, but they show that uh, God is not narrow-minded and he's, he goes beyond our pettiness. Um, and Jonah was certainly petty in his aversion to preach to the Ninevites, the Gentiles, um, but God is vast. His ways are beyond our ways and his thoughts are beyond our thoughts. Um, William Kelly says this is of the book of James. Um, so far from James being one who slighted grace, um, as uh, you know, Martin Luther uh, kind of uh, um, accused uh, James of slighting grace, 
James's epistle is unintelligible unless a man really understands and holds fast to the grace of God. He is the only apostle who uses the remarkable term, the perfect law of liberty. This supposes not law, but grace. Therefore, it was really the feebleness with grace, with which grace was apprehended, which made people, like Martin Luther, fancy and shrink back from the bugbear of legalism in the epistle of James. Had they read it in the liberty of grace, they would have seen in the real power of God in giving the, giving the Christian to realize his liberty. Um, so as it is with uh, Jonah, uh, he is eminently Jewish in his feeling to the extreme. He is willing to disobey God for his allegiance to Israel. Well, I guess what I was reading, I thought it said main service, but it didn't. I don't know. It's like okay. similarities. Yeah. Book James. Okay. Marin, do you have a question? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're, you're on live with us in our class. I'm sorry. I forgot to turn my mic off. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a, I thought that was a good, loud um, <laughs> question. But that's okay. Well, um, it took me a while to find you because of the, I saw James, I thought was the main service, but I mean Jonah. Oh, yeah. No, it's that Sunday a.m. class here where I know. Um, so let's see. So James, like Jonah, Jonah was used of God for a finally Old, Old Testament testimony to the Gentiles. So that's uh, kind of an overview of, of the book of Jonah there. Here is uh, Joppa, if you've ever seen it, um, the coastal city where where Jonah got on the boat to Tarshish. Um, so that pier right there is, I think, from Roman times. But that's going to, that probably looked a lot like the pier that he got on, paid that fare and went to, to uh, uh, got on the boat to Tarshish, going to Tarshish. Um, I don't think uh, there were jet skis in his day, <laughs> but jet ski down there. Um and yeah, I was there. My mom and I were there in Joppa. That was our first few hours in Israel. Um, so it's interesting. It's a coastal city, and it's just south of Tel Aviv, just right there, uh, south of Tel Aviv. So that's uh, where it all it all started, right there, Joppa. Um, oh, you should uh, this little chart I. Oh yeah, I've um, cited it. This is from that Rose Publishing book. If you have one of those books, those picture books, which are really cool, um, theirs is much better. But I just sort of recreated this. Um, so at the top, you have Saul, David, and Solomon, three the three kings. Um, and David was approximately 1000 BC. You see there, and under Saul, David, and and Solomon. Uh, for his life, uh, Israel was united as 12 tribes. After the death of Solomon, uh, the Israel splits into northern and southern. So you have well, the kings of Israel. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Why don't you ask her to mute the mic so 
again. Somebody. Oh, yeah. Uh, everyone, uh, <laughs> mute their mics. If you're on the line, make sure your mic is muted. Um, except me. I, I, <laughs> yeah, Bob. Yeah, thanks, Bob. <laughs> um, so on the left hand side of this chart there, you see that the kings of, uh, the northern tribes of Israel, Jeroboam the first, Basha, Omri. So that, and that goes down through history. You see where Jonah shows up there in red, about 793 BC, and he served, um, Jeroboam the uh, second there. And uh, Jeroboam the second, down at the bottom left of the chart, his uh, ruling dates were 793 B.C. to 753 B.C. So um, on the right hand of this, this chart, you see the southern tribes, which is Judah and Benjamin, the two tribes. The first king was Rehoboam, Rehoboam. Um, and that was Solomon's son. And he, But I didn't have all the kings. I just sort of skipped it to Uzziah down there. Um, so we have... This and this is the purpose of this chart. Really, it's showing that there were prophets to Israel and the Northern Kingdom. You see that in that one arrow, and then God had prophets to Judah, the Southern Kingdoms, to Judah and Benjamin. And among those were, you see at the bottom of the bottom right, Isaiah was a, a Judean uh, prophet, and Micah was a prophet to to Judah. But um, the prophets to Israel were Elijah, there you see him, and Elisha. Um, and then right after Elijah uh, comes Jonah, and then Amos comes later, and Hosea, he comes later. So this is just um, showing you about. So, you know, this story of Jonah must have occurred somewhere where Jonah's uh Prophetic lifeline was there in the red around 700, 800 BC, something like that, 780 perhaps. So I just want to have you guys see when we're talking about this, this book of Jonah here. Um, here's a map of Israel. Um, Jonah was born in Gath Heifer and you see the red arrow, and you see where Gath Heifer is. Um, that word says Tiberius, and Gath Heifer was right probably where the T is in Tiberius right there. That's where he was born. Uh, really close to Nazareth, you can see, maybe a, just a couple miles, five miles or so from Nazareth. On the East side of the Sea of Galilee, you see the Sea of Galilee labeled there Lake Tiberius. And then we have a Joppa, which we just uh, saw a picture of, and that's there, um, down just south of Tel Aviv. So that's the, that's where he's born and that's where he left on this ship. And, um, we'll look at where he's going later. Um, oh, here it is. Um, so we have Israel there on the left, uh, next to the Mediterranean Sea. And you see the red line from about Joppa there, um, and to Nineveh. 
and Nineveh is about 500 miles to the north and uh, east, northeast, in the uh, Assyrian Empire. Um, and it's on the east bank of the Tigris River, and it's shaped like a trapezoid is what they said. So I tried, I put in a trapezoid there, <laughs> two parallel sides, and then one uh, set of sides is not parallel. That's a trapezoid. And it, it was so big it took three days to walk the city from one end to the other. Um, uh, so I, it, they said about 60 miles in circumference was Nineveh. Um, and it's about, again, 500 miles from Israel, about that. And then um, Nineveh fell to the Babylonians in 539 B.C., so about 250 years after, you know, the about 790 when when Jonah's time was. Um, so, so everyone got that where Nineveh is compared to Israel, mm-hmm. and we we've looked at what Joppa looks like. Okay, let's uh, learn more about Jonah here. Born in Gath Heifer. Um, his name means dove. Um, his independent, his existence is, is kind of cool. I didn't know this, but in Second Kings fourteen twenty five, um, it says that this Jeroboam, King Jeroboam, the second, restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, who the God of Israel, which He spoke through His servant Jonah the son of Ameti, the prophet, who was of Gath Heifer. So there is a historical reference directly to Jonah. Yeah, Jonah was the son of this uh, Amittai, um, and there's where, where he's from, Gath Heifer. So this is in Second Kings. So he was a you know real guy. Um, so he was a legitimate. A prophet during this Jeroboam the uh, second's reign. Um, you know, I always thought that it just Jonah shows up in the Book of Jonah, and that's about it. But, but you know, he was he was among the the minor prophets here, and and uh, confirmed in Second Kings. I say normal prophet work, which is, and there's what it looks like when you read the other. Uh, prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, Amos, Micah, it'll always begin with the word of the Lord came to whoever the prophet is. And God says, speak thusly to Israel. And he'll lay out this, this thing he wants to say to Israel, uh, all the prophetic utterances that God has. So that's normal prophet work. Um, but this book of Jonah, this is an outlier. Um, it begins with the normal language. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Um, so more on, on this accepted prophetic style. Uh, like in Zechariah 6-9, the word of the Lord also came to me saying, that's Zechariah speaking, so that's a normal prophetic style utterance or statement. 
Um, but after this this first verse here in Jonah, it God throws a big curveball, right? He <laughs> he supplants something that should be directed to Israel or, or Judah or the the tribes up in um, northern Israel, and he supplants it with a message to a Gentile nation, which is the only thing like it in the in the Bible in the Old Testament. So this is what um, this is what sets off Jonah, and this <laughs> this sets up our, <laughs> our story. This makes his brain go on, on tilt, and he he doesn't recover, um, and he. He buys a fare to uh, Tarshish, and he flees God because he's so shocked by this this that he has to go to Nineveh of all places. So that's our that's our story. That's how we all begin in this book of Jonah. So verse one here that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, "Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it." For their wickedness has come up before me. Uh, again, that's a normal prophetic call in the Old Testament. Um, here's some more uh, other normal call. I say normal calls, but uh, just to, so we know what these this normal call looks like. To Jeremiah, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, to Isaiah, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And then he goes on and gives, uh, God speaks to the prophet. And says, this is what I want you to tell these people. So that's the normal call. Um This, yeah, this, uh, in verse one here, it's, or verse two, I'm sorry, it's very along the lines of Genesis 18, um, when God calls, uh, the people of Israel or a king to repent. Um, in Genesis 18, we have Sodom and Gomorrah, and God says there, and the Lord said, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great. Their sin is exceedingly grave. Um, and you see the same sort of language here in Jonah verse 2, for their wickedness has come up before me. So wickedness sort of rises to the level and it comes to, you know, nothing is beyond God's attention, but he spe- he speaks like that that it rises to the level where he gets his intention and then he has to deal with it in some way um or like in first Sam- samuel 5 uh, chapter 5 verse 12 we have um regarding the philistines who took the ark of the covenant and of them he says and the cry of the city went up to heaven so same thing this 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 Nineveh's sin was so great that it, 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 the, God takes notice of it and the wickedness has come up before me is what he says. Um, Nineveh first appears in Genesis chapter 10, um, right after the ark lands and, and, uh, the, the narrative goes uh, through the genealogy of the sons of Noah. 
Um, Ham is the father of Cush, and Cush is the father of Nimrod, the mighty hunter. And it says of him, from that land he went forth into Assyria, that's where Nineveh is, and built Nineveh, hmm. and Rehoboth, Ear, in Kalah. Uh, that's Genesis 10 and 11. So Nineveh occurs way back in Genesis uh, chapter 10. Um, in Genesis chapter 11, the very next chapter, it's, it's the Babel chapter. It describes the wickedness of of Babel and its destruction. Um, so it's interesting that in Genesis 10 you have Nineveh mentioned, and then the next chapter in Genesis uh, is the story of Babel. And so you see where Nineveh is going, because Nineveh is, is uh, you know, a kind of a, not a sister city, but uh, a city like Babel uh, from way back when. So Jonah gets this call, and he's of a contrary mind. Uh, Feinberg says, this Charles Feinberg, says the prophets were not mere uh, machines. They had the power to resist the will of God. Um, however, this is the only instance where a prophet refused to carry out his mission. Um, so if you think about that's that's true. Uh, the only time that this has happened. So in verse three we have, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa and found a ship that was going to Tarshish and paid the fare and went down and got into it with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So God wants Jonah to go uh, east. does the exact opposite. He goes west to escape the presence of the Lord. Um, and now, Jonah knows that God is omniscient and um, omnipresent. He knows that he can't escape the presence of the Lord. But what he was likely doing was getting away from, you know, HQ or that the headquarters of God, which is the temple of God. So he, I guess in his mind, he thought, if I can get away from HQ, um, I sort of resign my commission and God <laughs> leave me alone. So that's why he was, he wanted to get as far as away as he could. Um, Tarshish, when you hear most people, most commentators say it's southern Spain. So he's going to southern Spain. Um, but then, there's evidence in Ezekiel and that it's southern England, um, Cornwall, England, if you know where that is. Wow. Um, uh, Roger, where were you in England when you? Uh, we were uh, north of London. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, Leeds, Bradford, Harrogate, York, York, North Yorkshire. Okay, so you were way north. <laughs> this, um, the English, I. Listen to this like podcast yesterday and these three English guys. Very good by the way. They gave the gospel beautifully and they were talking about Tarshish and they can, uh, maybe because of their English pride, but they're saying that Tarshish is Cornwall, England. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Okay. Um, because they say that in the Bible it mentions tin and, and 
and what comes from tin, uh, Cornwall, England, but tin. And nowhere else um, produced this tin. So they're saying, and they also said that the ships of Tar, and that's a common phrase in the Old Testament, the ships of Tarshish. You'll always see that phrase in the Old Testament. Um, it's a very specific ship. It's built for long range. Uh, it's a uh, it's a specially designed ship because um, the the Mediterranean Sea is a you know a nice sea. You can get through that pretty easily. But then to go through the Strait of Gibraltar and up into the Atlantic, that takes a, a, quite a ship. So that's a ship of Tarshish, and that's what they were saying. This is, this is no ordinary ship. Um, England, they said, uh, figures into end-time prophecy uh, in Ezekiel 38. Um, you have the Tarshish is, it's mentioned as, as bringing up an, an objection to, um, to, you know, uh, Rosh or, uh, Invading Israel, um, in, in the, that Ezekiel 38 war, Tarshish raises a, uh, an objection. So they say, you know, Spain wouldn't raise an objection to that. It would be England. England is, 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 an, is, a, is a, um, um, uh, ally of Israel. Um, and, uh, very much so now as well. So, it makes sense that uh, Jonah would go as far west and then as far north as possible from this call from from God, but it's disputed, <laughs> you know. So here I have the I uh, have that's a quite, yeah, that's quite a track. Yeah. So there you in the bottom left you have Israel tried to land it on Joppa right there. So there would have been his route. Kind of, I couldn't get that line above the coastline of Tunis and Algiers, but they would have gone through there to southern Spain, and that's where they would have ended up. Um, but you see, that's that's kind of easy seafaring um, yeah. um, sea there, um, and, and wasn't Paul trying to get to Spain too? Um, in his, he mentioned that, and he went to Rome. Um, you know, and he sailed all around that Mediterranean Sea, a Mediterranean Sea. But they say that the ships of Tarshish would have gone through down at the southern tip of Spain where the green line is. That's the Strait of Gibraltar. So you can get a ship through there, the Strait of Gibraltar, and then go up around Spain and go up and you see where Cornwall, England is. I have it. In red there, that little tip of England, the southernmost tip, southwest tip there, um, that's where another possible place for Tarshish is. Um, but mainly people think it's somewhere in southern Spain, Tarshish. So I think it's I think it's Cornwall, England. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> these guys were convincing. Yeah, these. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so here's some here Jonah's response to this call, and some possible rationales for his disobedience. Um, and this comes from Feinberg. Um, 
So this is uh, Jonah's thinking. Number one, if Nineveh repents, this will save Nineveh and will certainly lead to a future downfall of the people of Israel. <laughs> and that's because Nineveh was, the Assyrians were Israel's number one enemy. Right. You know, so why would he do that? Why would he go and <laughs> save Nineveh? It is his thinking. Um, some say that Jonah feared the rep- that the repentance of Nineveh would distract from the position and privileges of Israel as the chosen people of God. So that's why he didn't want to go and uh, preach to Nineveh. Um, his nationalistic pride, you know, he's extremely uh, nationally proud man, Jonah was, um, and he could not rejoice um, that God was going to show grace to a heathen people. Uh, number four, Jonah knew from previous prophecies uh, from other guys that the Assyrians were to be a chastening scourge on Israel. You know, God was going to use them to, like he used the Babylonians, uh, as a as sort of a blunt, uh, as a, a blunt weapon against Israel to kind of get them back into shape. So why would he want to go and preach the good news of repentance to these people? Uh, this uh, Assyrian Empire who were going to beat down Israel for their history. Why would you do that? Um, Jonah's standing as a prophet of Israel to the Israelites. Uh, now think of this. Um, if he goes and preaches to Nineveh, uh, a heathen nation, uh, his fellow Israelites would say, how could you go and preach the gospel of repentance to a nation that is eventually going to destroy us. So he would lose, he would lose credibility, uh, in, in the eyes of his fe- fellow Israelites. Uh, so that's a possible, possible rationale for this disobedience. Um, but here's Jonah's own words in Jonah 4.2. He says to God, therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. So you see, you notice that the word for grace there is, is there, um, gracious, mm-hmm. slow to anger, uh, loving kindness, that's an Old Testament word for grace. Um, so that's Jonah's own words there. Uh, so the bottom line is Jonah was an astute observer of God's unmerited, undeserved favor towards mankind. And he knew that God would carry through with this merciful act. And he was, he was right, right? Uh, (laughs) Those are the, those are the possible rationales for disobedience, but the one that Jonah mentions there in, uh, 4-2. So, uh, final, finally, um, the the purpose of this book of Jonah, um, it's not a book of prophecy. Um, it gives no call to Israel or Judah to uh, address anything, or uh, it doesn't give any words of prophecy concerning their future, like other books of prophecy in the Old Testament. Um, however, the actual story in itself, the transactions within 
this, the book are prophecies themselves. So the story is a prophecy in and of itself. Um, it's the story of God dealing with future Gentile nations in grace with the Savior. Uh, the Savior to the world would spend three days in death, um, and to be, and would be resurrected to life. As the Nineveh, Ninevehites were saved through faith, uh, through Jonah's message, so would future Gentile nations be saved through Jesus Christ. Um, the main theme of Jonah is God's love for all nations. Um, he's willing that none should perish and that all come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it foretells of the future prophecy of Genesis 12:3, in which God says to Abraham, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, how can he do that except for to save the Gentile nations? And uh, he does that with uh, Jesus Christ, but before he does, he gives this, this book of prophecy in Jonah to show how he will do that. Um, <clears throat> the story of Jonah is how God is to accomplish the worldwide blessing, yet future, from Jonah's time. Oh, and there we go. <laughs> so that's our introduction to, to Jonah for this, for this morning. Um, yeah, that's good. that's good, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, Jonah, you know, Jonah is looked upon as being kind of, uh, not too significant and kind of a, a nice story, but that, you know, it's really, the interactions that happen in Jonah are very interesting. Right. And important stuff too. Exactly. And that would, people would sort of, uh, dismiss it, but I think we'll see it, uh, with this, this study. So we'll, and we'll take it very seriously and we won't, uh, we won't make it a, a children's kind of novel like they say. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I just happen to think maybe the reason Jonah went so far away is so that maybe God would choose somebody else. Oh, yeah? Because he's so far away that he he knows that God knows where he is. But oh, right. maybe it just occurred to me, I thought, that's probably why, and maybe he did go to England. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's really fun. That he's... God would give up just because of the distance. <laughs> yeah. Saying. Yeah, well, that, I'm saying that's Jonah's thinking, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah. He, he knows that God, he knows that God knows where he is, but maybe God will choose somebody else if he's so far away to go to Nineveh. Like, if, if he just went up to, uh, like, Lebanon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then he would, yeah. He brought back, <laughs> yeah. too close to Nineveh. Right. Right. Oh, well, that's a good. Yeah, <laughs> something in his mind. <laughs> uh, so, but who knows? Who knows yeah. why? Um, oh, and I wanted to think of this. And if you think, well, Jonah, he should have obeyed God, and you know, how could he disobey God? Um, with this clear call from God Himself, right? Go. And I, I just thought, you know what? I would have done the exact same thing. <laughs> and you, know, you know why? And it's just happened. It's it's um, contemporary. It's just happened in the news. If God came to you, any of you, and said, and you were you're Jewish, 
and he said, go to Gaza City. Right. Yes. Hamas. Yes. Gospel to Hamas. Would you do it? Yeah. And, uh, heck I no. Say, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, after what they did, uh, yeah. on October 7th, yeah. right? Right. Uh, it's the same thing. And right. so this, Nineveh, I think is the, he, he looks at the same, it's the parallel thing. So it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting thing to think yeah. about. So yeah. All right. Well, I'll close in prayer here. Um, Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your the book of Jonah and for this testimony that we have in your Old Testament, foreshadowing grace and foreshadowing uh, Jesus Christ's uh, salvation to the world. And we we thank you for all our blessings here on earth. In Jesus' name, Amen.